0: All right, if that didn't make you move, you need to do some jumping jacks or something, right? You're supposed to be awake, especially this morning. Hey, I am excited that between now and Christmas, which isn't that far away, um, I'm excited that the band is going to lead us in different weeks to praise our great God through some different styles of music. I love that. I love the fact that a washboard can be used to praise God. You agree? I love that. I love that. And I love living in a day where it seems like more than ever people appreciate different styles when it comes to music. There is room for preferences when it comes to styles of music in the church because a specific style has not been defined by God, all right? But there is no room for preference when it comes to the purpose of the church because a specific purpose has been defined by God. So we're doing things a little different this morning. going to shake it up a little bit. Don't worry, kids. You're going to head to uh, kids' worship here in a little bit, but... We're going to depart this morning uh, from our normal year-long walk through Philippians. We're going to come back to it. we got a little more to go, and we'll get it done between now and and the year end. But I want to welcome you today to what we're calling Next Steps, where we're going to take a few weeks to lay out our purpose as the heart of life. And this is not about just looking to next year. Quite honestly, we have spent this entire year trying to to say, God, will you help us look to the next decade? That when it comes to Heart of Life, what are we going to be about? And my prayer has been, God, would you give us something simple and yet accurate? Accurate as to who you have called us to be, what we're about. When we say heart of life, what is heart of life? How about we start here? Jesus. We okay with that? See, I wanna give you a few things to celebrate before we sing again here in a minute. How about we just start with Jesus? When somebody asks you the question, what is the heart of life? Can I tell you the very best answer you can give? Jesus, Jesus. So how are we going to sum him up in a few minutes? Well, we're not. But I'm going to borrow one way that the Apostle Paul chose to describe him. Titus is the little book that we find. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it reads this way. It says, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our, here we go, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you can look this up for yourself. When you study the grammar behind the little phrasing here, in the, in the Greek language, it's, it's what's called, there's just one article. And what one article means is there's not a comma after God. He's not saying God and our Savior He is putting those together as one. He is saying, this is who Jesus is. He is our great God and Savior. That is who we believe Jesus to be, because that's who he declares that he is. The story is that one day Jesus was talking to a crowd and His statement was, if you follow me, you're not going to die. Well, that'll get people's attention. The religious leaders who heard him speak that day said, you're out of your mind. You're demon-possessed. I mean, who are you? Because Abraham, our father, he died. And the great prophets who have been a part of our history, they died. Who do you think you are making such a statement? And Jesus said, you want to talk about Abraham? Abraham celebrated the thought of seeing my day. And they responded, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. How can you talk about seeing Abraham? And what followed was one of the greatest mic drop statements in the history of the world. Jesus responded, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. And it says that they wanted to stone Jesus. What would make them respond that way from from such a simple statement? They knew the statement that Jesus was making. Man, he just... Cruised past Abraham and went all the way back to Moses, and he's declaring this is the name that God gave Moses way back at the burning bush. Jesus is claiming to be the God who talked to Moses. I am. Four consonants. That's what it is. Four consonants. No vowels. ever tried to pronounce any four consonants? You can't. It is the unspeakable name. And so what the people did is they they took some vowels, they borrowed from the word Adonai, which means king, means master, means boss, if you will, and they took those vowels and they put them with with this, this four consonants, the I am, so that they could pronounce Yahweh, translated to the English as Jehovah. So when you hear the word Jehovah, it's, it is the translation of the, of the Hebrew Yahweh, which is this tetragrammaton, it's called four letters, right? That with some bonus vowels from Adonai, he declares, I am. What does that mean? It means one, he's personal. He's saying, I am, I I want this relationship with you, not something at a distance, but you and I, I am personal. And I am means I am present. He is not a God in the past, he's not a God in the future, he is always a God of the present. And when we say that, that messes with our mind because that's not how we live right? We live very linear. We live in time, in space. We go from A to Z. That's not how the I am operates. He does not live within time and space. Time and space operate within him. So when we say Jesus, you understand this is who we're talking about? That when he, if he promises you something, You may be waiting on the promise to be fulfilled, but he's not because he's already there. I got some things I'm waiting on right now in my life. You ever get in those moments where you're kind of waiting for some things to shake because you're trying to figure out which way it goes? Here's, Here's what I've learned. God ain't waiting. He's already there with the answer, the promises that he gives. And so throughout the book of John, he declares that he is the I am. I'm going to give you one example. In one place he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He just picked something very common in his day. I am the bread of life, he says in John chapter 6, that came down out of heaven. Now when he said that phrase, it immediately connected to something that those people knew from their history. Back when they were wandering right in the wilderness, God sent something called manna from the heavens, fed them, right? Six out of seven days. Manna means what is it? So why in the world would God send this weird angel cornflakes called what is it? And the reason is because they had to answer the question. And when they answered the question, what they realized, this is the supernatural provision of God from heaven. And Jesus is declaring, I am the bread of life from heaven. I am the only one that your soul was made for. I am the only one that can fill the hunger and the emptiness of your soul. I am. I am the bread of life he, he says I am the gate for the sheep right the the door that gives life to the fullest he says I am the good shepherd that lays down his life and knows his sheep and his sheep know him he says I am the resurrection and the life I like that one a lot because when the day comes that people determine for me he's dead Jesus says the reason I'll get up is because of him he is the I am I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not not a way, not a truth, not a life, but but the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. He says, you run with me, you will bear fruit. If we got to sum up in one word, what are we to be about? What is the heart of life? The answer is Jesus. And we believe that he is the eternal God who became man. Why? Why? Go back to the verse one more time. We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. He is our great God and he is our Savior. And look at the way verse 14 starts. What does that mean? He gave himself for us. We believe that Jesus, though perfect, willingly gave himself for us. His life was not taken, it was laid down. He died for our sin, he was buried, and on the third day, he arose. That is called the good news. That is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we are about. The Bible says that through repentance and faith in Jesus, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How about today we celebrate such a victory? I want you to put your hands together this morning and welcome Mr. Scott Large to the stage. I've had the privilege of knowing Scott for... I don't know, four, six weeks now, something like that. Uh, it's been over eight. Been over eight. Yeah. Seems shorter. That's a good thing. Today, um, he's going to take a few minutes and share part of his story with you, and then we are privileged to celebrate with him as he steps into these waters today. So,
1: brother, thank you for sharing. This is going to be hard. It was me and my girl, Chrissy. We were sitting in the hotel celebrating my birthday, actually. We were there with a friend, and I was on the computer just showing her stuff about Corpus Christi and my family's name, you know, the company and the beach and just looking at stuff, well, you know how, I don't know what computer, any computer lingo, but them little thumbnail things that pop up. One popped up, it said, obituary, Christine Large. I'm thinking, what the hell? I'm oh, sorry, um, that's my mom's name, must be somebody else. I click on it, find out my mom had died two months prior. You know, and all this time, I uh, always thought I was tough and hard. I didn't want to live, but I dang sure didn't have the fuzzies to do anything about it. But I always, it always felt like there was this force that would let me go, like right up on the edge of a cliff. But, but but wouldn't let me jump over it. You know, let me get right up to it, but something keeping me from it. Now, it couldn't be God or Jesus Christ, because I'd been madder than heck at them for years. You know, it was their, his fault. You know, why'd you take my dad? Why'd you take, you know, why did, well, why nothing? I mean, it happens. It was their time. But I, that's how I thought. But it couldn't have been him keeping me from doing that. Not in my stupid head at the time. Uh, they were unable to. Everybody tried to get a hold of me. They were unable to, so that's how I found out my mom had died. The um, year got a little, got a little worse. And all this time, uh, masking and putting up this smoke screen of my real feelings. With that other junk in that bag, uh, my mom died worrying about me, I'm sure, not knowing if I was well, if I was good, hell, if I was even alive. I'm sorry, Mom, but I've got it down now. You and Daddy would be proud of me. Tell Dad, find a fishing hole for us up in heaven, and I'll see you all on the other side. Um. Huh? Uh, then comes. I kept saying, the, keep saying the worst days of my life. Well, here comes another worst day of my life. <sighs> November the 18th. <laughs> what, every day? Um, we're laying in bed. One o'clock in the morning, give or take. And Chrissy gets the call that I hope no other no other mother or father will ever have to get. She found out or we found out her 19-year-old son, Jacob, had just died in a motorcycle accident. Now I know I'm up here for me. It wasn't my son, it was my girl's. Here's where I wanted to die again. I felt from that day it was my fault. Because a couple weeks before, however long, I had the opportunity to take this unsafe motorcycle off the road. And I should have. But I didn't put my foot down and tell everybody else, you know, it ain't leaving. Uh... Jacob, at 19 years old, he had a better work ethic, a stronger work ethic. All I've ever done is worked men, hundreds of them, and that 19-year-old had a better work ethic than almost any 40-year-old I've ever worked. I've never been able to tell them all to Chrissy, to Audrey, to Daniel, to little Charlie, and to the whole family. I'm sorry I couldn't save them. The Lord took, the, Lord, the world lost one hell of a young man on that day. I I'd have change places with him if it was possible anytime. I'm sorry. Um, Now let's get into something a little more not all sappy. Um, I got up here uh, a few months ago, change of pace to get that get the heck away from all the old stuff. Came up here went to work for the soap factory, was camping at an undisclosed location till I got on my feet. Um, one Sunday you know I was you know I, I was right on that edge again. I've been hundred percent clean and sober for over eight months now. Um, but That day, I got up and I was, you know, walking around town. It was a Sunday morning, about 10 o'clock. And I told Chrissy, I said, man, I saw a sign that said free pancakes. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go up here and get some free pancakes, come back, and we'll eat them. That ain't how it happened. Uh, I walked by this, you know, come around the corner on Independence Turn in front of the vault, and I see all this food. God, it smelled good. Uh, but then I kind of look in the building, and I say, oh, my God, it's a church. That's the last damn thing I need <laughs> or want. But really, it's the first thing I needed. Finally, it's the first thing I needed. I walked past the place well that food smelled so good (laughs) I turned back around and this big ball-headed guy wearing camouflage sunglasses said hey man you want a pancake well that's Kevin Jennings in case y'all didn't know I sat down and we ate, talked. He asked me if I wanted to go in. AJ was there. My other brother, Sean, they were all there. I didn't know him from A Man in the Moon. I just came deep pancakes and sausage. It was free. Um, that day changed my life, and I got all you guys to thank for it. I had lost, I mean, I was surviving. I was trying to help take care of people. But I had 100% lost all hope. Well, I'm in there. After I get there, I, decide, I tell them, okay, I'll go in and listen, you know, do some worshiping. Well, I look up at the screen, and I see this other bald headed guy standing up on the stage. <laughs> he was wearing a Hope baseball hat. The first sermon i heard come out of this man's mouth was about hope that day pastor jeff restored my hope uh i came back and i couldn't talk to chrissy without just about this sermon i mean here i'm supposed to be big six 250 pounds tough hard my horse crap I couldn't even talk to Chrissy about the sermon without being a blubbering idiot like I am now. That's the moment it did it. I had been fighting for 25 years. I ate breakfast, heard a message about hope from the bald guy, and I'm fixing to leave. No, it wasn't that easy. Then my friend AJ and Kevin asked me if they could pray with me you're not going to say no to these two big guys (laughs) but anyway they did and they have been ever since um i've been getting nothing but i mean blessings it's amazing i've met uh, kevin miller i work with him now he he's precious to me Um, and I've decided that I mean this Jesus Christ that I've been mad at for 25 years pissed off at blaming everybody he was actually the one keeping me from jumping over that cliff or doing something worse and for the first time in many years that ugly guy looking at me in the mirror when I get up to shave and brush my teeth, I kinda like him now. And uh, I'm ready to give him do it right. Live my life by Jesus. I, do it. I was gonna have a drop of icon.
0: tell you uh, what, why don't you just stay standing, just, just go ahead and stand up, um, and we'll do that in honor of the miracle that is about to be represented, a miracle that, um, miracle that only the great I am could do. While he's getting back there, I'm going to remind you. The story is told in John 18. Jesus is praying in the garden, knowing that he's headed to the cross. That was the whole sweat drops of blood. The story is that the soldiers show up at the garden to get him. And Jesus asked them a question. Who are you looking for? They say Jesus of Nazareth who we're looking for. And anybody remember what Jesus' response was? I am. And it says that all of the soldiers fell backwards to the ground at just the mention of his name. I want to encourage you today to realize whatever in your life threatens you, when it comes face to face with the great I am, it must bow. So if hopelessness is the story, but you see the great I am, hopelessness must bow. The I am wins. If the guilt of your past, that you think you can never be free, comes face to face with the great I am, the guilt of your past must bow. Crack cocaine face to face with the great I am must bow. Whatever the threat, before the great I am, he wins. With what you're about to witness today, I encourage you, if you have never, if you have never went face to face with the great I am, seen the truth of who he is as your great God and your Savior, may on this day, may on this day, you have a story to tell of a life transformed forever.
2: Who would have ever thought shared pancakes just a couple of months ago would bring us to this point? But we're excited for our friend, Scott Large, to be here. We're excited for the steps that he's taken and the progress that we're making. We're really proud of him. Scott, we want to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's, let's pray. God, we just thank you for Scott. Thank you for uh, just having him come into our lives. We, we thank you for the gift that you gave us when you came, um, came down from heaven and came and died on the cross and, and I was talking with Scott last night and he was talking about, you know, just the demons and, and, and and worried about them coming out of the cage. But we know that when you step down from heaven with your blood stained hands, you handed an eviction notice to those demons. And you said, there's a new landlord in town. And that as Scott moves forward and he has a chance to go big Let's help him as his brothers and sisters for him to go big until it's time for you to take him home. It's in your name we pray, amen.
0: All right, don't worry, don't worry. I don't think we're gonna be here till 12 unless God brings that, all right? Which is okay if he does. But let's continue. God, will you give us a statement that's simple? but a statement that's accurate when we're asked, what are we about, what do you call us to be? First, Jesus, but with that, his family. It's about Jesus and it's about his family. And what you just heard from a man was a thanksgiving with tears about the difference that God's family makes in your life versus trying to do it alone. And no doubt there are lots of testimonies across this room and across the rooms that we're speaking to today. We'll talk more about this as we go forward. I, I, I just, we have been in a year-long study in Philippians and the language of with, the language of us doing this together. I'm, I have been made more aware this year of the, the plural language that you read in Scripture, right? It, I, we, we just did a, a study on the Lord's Prayer, and it's our Father, and it's lead us not into temptation. I mean, it, it's together. It's together. I just want to give you one scripture on the family today, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about this as we um, go forward. But John chapter 17, since we're in John today, records um, Jesus' prayer before the cross. He's praying for his disciples that are right there with him. He knows what they're about to go through. But I want you to listen to this part of the prayer in particular. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Who's that? That'd be us. That'd be us. That all of them may be one. One. Father, and these are the two words, just as you are in me and I am in you. If he had just said, I pray that there'll be one, we might be left to interpret that way they could, you know, like if they came together on a Sunday and they sing some songs and, and celebrate or, or, you know, they, 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 they hold hands and say a prayer or whatever that, like we could draw our own conclusions of what that, but when he said just as, Do you ever walk in a room like this and think and pray, God, I want to be as close to these people as the Father and the Son are close to each other? You ever think that? Because do you hear what he's praying? He's like, Father, what you and I have, I want them to have. And today, I just hope to light a spark that I want you to start to believe that we can be that kind of family because of Jesus. I don't even know how to thank Heart of Life Harrisonville for what they have shown to a man in the first two months of him encountering the church and the way that you guys have loved him and the way that you guys have made him a part of family there. I don't even know how to say thank you. I just want you to know that kind of family exists here. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, but I heard um, over the last several weeks in, in Lee summit, there is a story of someone who has just been introduced at Heart of Life there. And her story is right now she's traveling from out of town. She's only in on the weekends, and then she has to go back and forth. And somebody at Lee Summit got to know her within that first week or two and actually said, you know what, if we can help you and if you want to stay at our home um, so that you don't have to do that make that journey harder back and forth, they, they, they offered an invitation for her to stay with them. Who does that? Well, family's supposed to. Family is supposed to. So come on, I know sometimes there's a struggle when it comes to people feeling like they belong. I mean... Sometimes you'll, you'll hear those struggles, and we, we always want to hear them, and we always want to figure out how we can do that better. But I also just want you to know there is family here. And whatever level you think that's at, like for you, and you may be at that point where you're like, man, I love it. I, I love the family. Here, I just want you to deposit in your thinking today, Jesus said, just as. So wherever you're at, I just, want you, I, I just want you to start to believe. Do you realize how far that means? Jesus can take us in what it means to love one another. Y'all, he is not celebrating a church that has some great speakers. He is not celebrating a church that has some great bands. He is not celebrating a church that has great kids' ministry, child care. He is celebrating a church that has great love for one another. And he said, when the church loves each other that way, Jesus said, then they're gonna believe that I was sent for them. Come on, let's believe. And how long has it been since you prayed for that? God make us family. One more. Jesus, his family, his mission. Going forward, can you remember that? Like if somebody says to you, that Heart of Life church, what are they about? You say, Heart of Life? It's about Jesus, his family, his mission. The mission we know has been defined, right? He says, as you're going, as you're baptizing, as you're teaching, make disciples. That's what we're called to do. How are we going to do that? We studied it in the book of Acts. He's like, Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. We know it is what God has called us to. We want this good news of Jesus to go out from where we live to the ends of the earth. That these kinds of stories are told that reflect the greatness of the God who loves and has pursued. But I think the best way for us to do that today is for you to hear a couple of more um, stories today. Um, I'm going to invite Derek. Is he here? Derek Close? Derek Close? I I went faster than I told him I was, so you're ready. ready. Share a little bit of... um, the mission that God has called. Sure. About to. to
3: So uh, we have a life team that meets here in Garden City once a week. Uh, we've been doing that probably for close to a year and a half or better now. Um, and so we met for a good year and it was wonderful. Uh, we were getting together every week. We were growing, having great conversations, being really built up in God's word and what he was trying to tell us. But I couldn't get away from this idea that the church does not exist just to build up internally, right? Like the church is meant to go like, and so I just, I challenged my team. I said, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with what God is doing? And so just through a series of brainstorming and throwing around ideas, we came up with, uh, let's target the street that we meet on. Let's reach the people, who live physically on this street that we live on in Garden City, and let's have a cookout. Let's see what we can do. Um, And so we planned that. We got all the food. We got the invites printed. Um, It came to the point, I'll tell you a story, it came to the point of actually inviting. Um, And I don't mind confessing to you guys uh, that I did everything in my power not to be the one that went door to door, knocking on doors, and inviting people to this barbecue. But it didn't work. I tried to shove it off on two different people, and God said no. Uh, So I said, okay, let's do it. And you know what? It was awesome. I went, I went. You had some help, right? I had some help, yeah. So if you ever go door knocking, if you have a cute little girl or a cute little boy, if you have kids, bring them with you. Uh, It might be a cheat code, I don't know. But, so yeah, me and my daughter Sylvie, uh, Whitney and Theo came to about half, um, but we went and Silly rang every door or every doorbell in the neighborhood and we invited people. We had several five, ten minute conversations, just getting to know people, you know, where I, I anticipate that people are going to shut the door in our face and God just opens the door and lets us interact with these people. So I wanted to throw up. I didn't want to do it, but God did something awesome just through that part. Um, so barbecue happened. We had a really good turnout. We had 20 or 30 people there, somewhere in that range, which is pretty good for one street in Garden City. Um, And so, you know, since that time, God's been doing something, and we didn't really expect this, but we've connected with a lot of other believers on our street. Um, Obviously, our goal was to, you know, present the gospel to the people who don't know, and that's still what we're pursuing, obviously. But we've got now three households from our street that meet with us every week, uh, which I think is really cool. I think that it's a beautiful picture of the church and God is doing something in that. You know, he's, he's building us up more and he's adding to that team that wants to reach the people who we live around. And so I don't know where he's going with it. We're just stepping out. We're going to follow. And we're just going to pray that he allows us to, show Jesus to the people that live on our street, and then when we do that, we're going to step over and reach the people on the next street, and I think it's repeatable. I think that's something that anybody in this church can take and imitate on their street. It's already happening with some people in our life team. They're already doing that where they live, and I think it's a beautiful thing.
0: Is that kind of what you had in mind? That's perfect. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You can do that like he's empowered you to do that, especially with some people, with his family together. I want you to hear another today. Barb, would you please come this way? Do you guys welcome Miss Barb Beard to <laughs> the <stand? laughs> She is getting ready to take a journey on mission also. Getting to head back to Taiwan, Barb has been um, a missionary there for um, years, and we've been waiting for the whole COVID and all that stuff to settle and windows to open. And it looks like a window's opened. And this week,
1: yes, share a little bit.
4: Yes, so I get to go back to Taiwan. I came back in 2019 in August. Thought I'd go back in March 2020. So since that time, their borders have been closed. Now they're open, and I don't even have to quarantine like I would have a month ago. So I'm heading out on Tuesday. I want to tell you a little bit about the village where I am privileged to get to be a part of this work. And this is a Shelter you sponsor, and I hope you know that. This is a Shelter of Project Nick in Orphan's Hope. It's called Ja'an Home, which means the home of abundant grace. When my friends moved to this village, they had no idea that they were the first Christians to ever live in the village. There's never been a church in this village. And in rural Taiwan, less than 1% of the people know Jesus. So in this village, people don't know about Jesus. They all worship at a Taoist temple, and their worldview is very much connected to the supernatural. They interact with the the spirits of deceased people on a daily basis. They live in fear of these ghosts and spirits. So this is where our shelter is. And uh, my friends started just taking in kids that were running the streets. After school, they're just running the streets, fighting, getting in trouble, so they start bringing them to their house, to John Home, tutoring them, helping them in school, giving them a good meal every night, and keeping them until bedtime, and then they go home. Well, you know, at John Home, they learn to pray, and they learn who Jesus is, and they learn worship songs. I'll just share one, one story of how the children have changed so much that their parents, grandparents, even the village chief has come to say, Thank you. They can't believe how much the children have changed. One little girl at home one night, her grandma was sick. She had a fever and a cough. And this little girl, 11 years old, got down on her knees and prayed for grandma. Instantly, grandma felt better. Instantly. So, grandma says, Who? Who is this God you're praying to? She said, You're coming with me. So she takes her little granddaughter and they go to John's home, even though it's after 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) They're knocking on the door, and this grandma says to our worker, Who is this God? Who is this God that you're teaching the children to pray to? Long story short, the first mom that has come to Christ in the village is this little girl's mom, and she was baptized. (laughs) Yeah, so the children, God is using the children to show the village who Jesus is. He answers their prayers in sweet and unbelievable ways sometimes. So I'm really happy that I get to go back while I'm there. Um, the church that Rick and I worked at is like 45 minutes from the village. They're going to come to the village and we have a big plot of land where we have goats and chickens and rabbits and all kinds of stuff for the kids. Well, that this church is bringing a concert to Jawan land, inviting all the village, and they've asked me to give my testimony and to present the gospel to the village people. How exciting is that? Because most of them still, they're starting to hear a little bit about Jesus, but let me tell you something. It's really hard for them to believe in Jesus. I just read this morning the Preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. You have to imagine generations never hearing anything about Jesus. And a few adults were at John's home, and they showed him the Jesus movie. After it was over, they said, that's not a God. Like, why? Why would a God let himself be treated like that? So it makes no sense to them, and they can't even understand a God of love. Their gods are to be feared, and their gods, they get caused trouble if they don't worship them and give them what they want. So there is a big barrier to come over, but um, I do believe we can see God moving as people are curious. Do you know adults now come to John home and will say, will you pray for me? because they're seeing the children's prayers answered. So I'm just really thankful that I get to go, and thankful for your backing and prayer support.
0: Technically, people would say there is no church here yet. Right. Um, but we got some children who look a lot like a church, a church. right? And uh, But God is – I want you to tell this, because I was going to tell this, but you'd, you'd be better at it than me. God also – has chosen to do some supernatural things. And we've seen that in different parts of the world when we go, but do you mind giving a quick? No,
4: I don't mind at all. Do we have the pictures? Okay. Show the one on the inside of the house. The one on the
0: wall. The one on the wall. There you
4: go. Yes. So somebody gave this to our, our workers and it's a big cross with a light behind it. It's on the wall in the first floor of our building of our home. First floor, it faces a window, and across the street is John Land, where the children play. So the next picture, you can barely see it here, but can you see the cross? This is John Land. Somehow, if anybody is scientific enough to figure out how to do this, let me know. But somehow, that cross on the wall reflects above John Land. Now, what's so cool about this is that these people, when they look up, they see spirits. They see deceased spirits. But Jesus, he puts his cross up there. There's one more picture. You can see it a little more clearly. Um, Susie took a picture through a tinted window where you can see how it shines. I love this because most of those people, they don't even know what this is. And they're riding along on their scooters, and they look up, and they see that, and they're slamming on their brakes. (laughs) They're taking pictures. They're coming to Susie's door knocking and saying, what is that? And do you know what Jesus is saying? I believe he's saying, I am your Lord. I love that. Now, that cross isn't there all the time. It's just kind of random. (laughs) But um, I love how God is making himself known to the village.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Barb, if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to ask if you would kind of go down there to to the middle. And we don't need everybody to have to do this, but a few, if you wouldn't mind, we wanna pray for Barb as she is about to leave this week, gonna be there for a month or so. And um, so I'm gonna ask um, if a few of you are comfortable to do that, to just surround her for a minute and the rest of us, um, if you're comfortable being on your knees, let's get on our knees. Uh, if you need to sit where you are, that's cool. I promise, he hears, he hears. Um, but let's lift her up and pray um, for, for uh, her and for what it means to uh, the folks to which she's being sent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for making this possible. God, thank you for opening the door. Thank you for making a way that Barb is able to go. And God, I am, you, you tell us we can ask specific, and so I, I am asking God, would you give her safe travel? God, I'm asking that you would make the journey smooth. God, even airports, God, connections that need to be made, God, where she needs to be at what time, just just asking that all of those details could be as smooth as possible. God, we trust you. I know that she does. I'm asking that you would give her a peace of heart, that you would give her a rest when she needs rest. God, over a month's time, that you would just in every way, God, continue to encourage her. God, we're asking that you would give opportunity for the good news of Jesus to be proclaimed. And when the village gathers, God, when Barb speaks the greatness of who you are. God, we ask that by your spirit, eyes would be open to how much you love them. And we pray that your kingdom would grow because people for the first time will see who you are, our great God and savior, and they will trust you. God, the best we know how, we're asking you to bless her. Les Barb, God, would you keep her safe and would you make her dangerous for your kingdom? In the name of Jesus, we ask it, amen.